Welcome to Evoke Greatness, the podcast created for those who, like me, are driven by their curious nature and fascination with the champion mindset. If you have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge, you won't want to miss the stories of myself and others and how we have navigated this journey toward greatness, all while stumbling through valuable lessons along the way. I'm Sunny, your host. I'm a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. My guest today is Hampton Dorch. Hampton, for anyone who is alive and has a pulse and has been on LinkedIn, knows that Hampton is a LinkedIn maven who happens to also work for this incredible company called Wild Spark. I think in your spare time, you do that when you're not posting. And so I want to give a warm welcome to Hampton today. Sonny, thank you so much for having me. And yes, I, I, I'm a, I'm a part-time employee of WildSpark when I'm not <laughs> posting on LinkedIn. I'm kidding. WildSpark is my full-time job, but I am a big LinkedIn guy. <laughs> well, and the nice part about LinkedIn is we've all, like, we've made some really incredible connections. You and I connected on LinkedIn and, uh, and it's really cool to see things flourish from there. So great work on, on all those. Uh, I think you said one time you post like a fifth grade girl. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, it's kind of my way of of making light of it. Uh, LinkedIn has led to some incredible opportunities, but I before I really understood. Craig Rochelle says people criticize most what they understand least, and I did not understand LinkedIn and why people posted on it. And I used to make fun of people doing it, but now here I am posting like a fifth grade girl on TikTok. So <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. So don't follow me if, if you don't want to see me show up. <laughs> and it's really, it's awesome content. So I, I was doing a little bit of my homework on you and, uh, and somehow I found myself even more impressed than I started out with. We're going to take it back a minute. <laughs> in high school, you oh were, God. I see your eyebrows raised. In high school, you were a soccer extraordinaire and you do one heck of a rendition of Seven Bridges Road by the Eagles. Oh my gosh, you Googled me, didn't you? I Googled you. And you yes. saw the long, greasy hair too. <laughs> as young as you are, your like your whole life is probably on online. Uh, just because, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, when I was younger, thank God we couldn't uh, we didn't have access to post everything. But anyway, no, by the way, great singing. Seriously. Thank I you. I was quite impressed. You're welcome. I yeah, choir was that was a big part of my life. I, I have a lot of people in my family that sang and playing sports growing up. I was always afraid. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to sing. Like that's kind of weird. And and my parents pushed me to do that. And so it was so much fun. I mean, getting I'm not a big solo guy. Like I'm not I'm not about to just bust out in song right here. <laughs> but if there's a couple people who want to sing and and like harmonize together and stuff, that's like probably my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was very impressed. And then in college, you were the president of Sigma Chi fraternity at Samford University. So really, there was so much that that led up to kind of the the Hampton, the version of Hampton that you are today. But I want to hop, you know, into a time machine and have you take us back a little bit to to growing up in the Dorch family. What was that like? Oh, it was it was so much fun. And I think one of the greatest blessings of my life has been my family, both my parents 
have been incredible. Um, probably too kind to me. Uh, just continue to give me grace over and over again as I as I messed up a lot. I have two sisters. I am the I'm the middle child, so I've got um, an older sister, two years older than me one, two years younger than me. And so I got a lot of attention being the only boy, the only one that was like really focused on sports and everything. But my parents helped instill a great foundation in me, um, whether it was through sports or spiritually at church or uh, just watching my dad, the way that he uh, led my mom and, and our family and some of the lessons that I heard from my mom. And I'm often actually... I. I I get emotional at times because what's really cool, and this is a lesson I've learned about parenthood for when I have a kid one day, Lord willing, is so much of the seeds that were planted when I was five to 20 years old, um, I started seeing them pay off at 22. And so, I mean, of course they paid off along the way. But um, to you who has some young boys right now, like I like to encourage moms who maybe when they get into that teenage rebellious phase, ho- hopefully it doesn't happen with yours. But I'm, I'm saying, hey, the key to their heart um, is, is just giving them uh, food and, uh, and, and, making, and making jokes and stuff. So like to my parents, I, it's just a lot of when, when I became 20, 21, 22, a lot of what was in my head moved down to my heart, if that makes sense, of what I learned um, foundationally. So very, very thankful to be a part of the George family. Oh, I love that. You talk about maybe the grace they had with you or that they were, they, they were too good to you, but which I doubt. What were some of those major lessons or maybe a lesson that was hard growing up that, that they had to instill in you? Mm, there's a, uh... Let's see what's uh, appropriate for the podcast here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it was funny because I think I think um, my mom, if it were up to her, probably could have locked me in a room uh, handcuffed for the entirety of high school. Uh, and my dad might have let me go too much. And I'm exaggerating on both ends there. I think um, if you ask them what are the hardest parts of their, <laughs> their marriage, honestly, back in 2013 to 2016, it may have even been been me because I was just like, I wasn't, you know, super wild or anything. I'm exaggerating some, but it was, it was really just cool to see how they love me and they pursued me no matter what. Um, I, I, one that just came to mind is I was a really big runner. Um, I, I loved playing sports, but I quit everything for track at one point, like my freshman, sophomore year of high school and was potentially on my way to run in college, um, at a, at a decently high level, but it was, it got to a point where I didn't love it anymore. And I felt a lot of pressure to keep going because that's just what I was good at. But I recently heard a quote that said, there are many people that spend their entire lives doing something they're good at, but drains them. And so a strength is defined as something um, that gives you strength. And at the time, that wasn't really giving me much strength. And I have a lot of friends whose dads were really hard on them in sports growing up. But I remember my dad looking at me and saying like, are you having fun? And I said, not really. And he goes, you can be done if you want to. And I said, really? And he was like, yeah, go play soccer. I know you love doing that. And so that's when I, I just the, the kindness and awareness that like my dad was like, Hey, you don't have to go after that college scholarship. Like you can do what makes you happy. Um, that that's one thing that just sticks out to me. And it was like very empowering for him to, to yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes nowadays, especially people get really wrapped up in that and, and they want to like think that their kids, you know, in all fairness, they, they want to think their kids are pros that 
seven, eight, nine, ten into high school, and the amount of pressure that that puts on these kids at a time when, you know, just so much is happening in their world and they're trying to figure out who they are and what they want to be when they grow up. Um, I think sometimes that puts an unfair amount of pressure on them. And so I think that's great that you know, he recognized to have the awareness to say, if you're not enjoying this, like, do something that you do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. How did leading in college set you up to be able to do what you do today? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, my mom used to tell me growing up, this is another thing back to your first question. She said, Hampton, um, I heard this kind of my whole life and this is not to sound arrogant. It's just, um, there's a lot of weaknesses I have, but one thing that was told to me is you're a natural born leader. A lot of people would tell me that a lot. And my mom would say, Hey, Hampton, people are going to follow you and it's your choice which direction you want to bring them. Like, are you going to lead them for good or are you going to lead them for bad or for yourself? And so when I got to college, I went to Stanford, not Stanford, Stanford University, small private Christian school, Birmingham, Alabama, go Bulldogs. Um, I was instantly given a lot of opportunities to lead. And I actually made it my entire goal to what I call looking back now, build my own kingdom. Um, I went for every role and title that I could possibly get, whether it was in my fraternity on campus, um, in, in campus ministry, whatever it was. And, um, I actually got a lot of those things. I I was, I was granted a lot of opportunities there and learned a ton, um, about leadership. But what's really interesting is I spent the first two years of college kind of getting everything that I thought that I wanted. Like I had all these different titles. I had, um, the girl that I always wanted, which is now my wife. Uh, we had lots of peaks and valleys throughout college, but we were able to date through all that. So I, I, I said, wow, like the whole world that I thought that I wanted in college, like I have, and I'm actually not that happy. Um, I came to realize that in building my own kingdom and living for myself, um, you run out of joy pretty quickly and you're always looking for the next thing. And there was a, there was a time uh, a little bit past midway in college where um, this is where my, my faith just became a huge part of my life. But I realized, oh, wow, there's actually a lot more joy to be found when you're living um, not for you and your identity is not in the things that you are and you're actually loving other people and being others focused and leadership is about um, empowering and developing other people. And so I got to do that primarily on the back end of college in my fraternity and in campus ministry with some younger guys trying to teach them the lessons that um, that I, I ended up learning. And the coolest part about it is being a 24 year old now, um, you know, I've gotten to start over. So my whole life, I've had these leadership opportunities and positions. And you're in college and you have all these titles. Well, all of a sudden, nobody cares anymore. I mean, you finish up school and and you're just trying to find a job and try doing that in the middle of a global pandemic. And praise the Lord that I was able to find Wild Spark. I happened to be interning there my senior year um, of college. But but what's prepared me for now is. I don't have a leadership title. I've never had a formal leadership title in the business world. I've only been out of school for two years. I've learning these lessons of, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going long here, but as everyone is a leader, you know, you don't have to have a title. And um, it's been this sweet spot in my life where um, I do believe just based on what's happened over my life that I will have the opportunity to formally lead uh, potentially soon. 
but it's been this really um, sweet gap in time where I'm not really responsible for anyone but myself uh, and my wife <laughs> if you go out of, uh, out of work. But it's it's given me an opportunity to meet people like you and invest in myself so that I'll be ready when that formal title comes. And so all of the talk on LinkedIn and everything like that, that's not me trying to be Lencioni or Simon Sinek or Brene Brown. That's me taking what I'm learning from the leaders around me and saying, hey, look what happens if you pour into and develop your high potentials before they even have that title. They're going to stay with you and you're going to be able to launch them into whatever is next. Uh, so that's my long way of saying like sort of leadership background and then, <laughs> then where I am now. Well, that <clears throat> literally is like a segue into three different questions. And I'm like, dang, which one do I do next? <laughs> you know, I think probably more than anything, we've had a lot of conversation just, you know, online, offline about faith. And so I'm curious, you know, what what role does faith play in the foundation of your life? It's everything. And ask my wife, ask my friends, ask the people I work with. You won't, because of my shortcomings and my sin, you won't see that every single day. And I hate that, but I'm striving to become more and more like Jesus every day because he is the best leader that there ever has been and will be. There's this song recently that says, um, God, there's nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God, and there will never be. And I know that. And so I can look at God who sent his only son, Jesus, to live the life that I couldn't live the perfect life and die the death that I deserve so that I could build my own kingdom. No, so that I could show that other message to other people and say, what does it look like to move through life at a slow pace and to have eyes for um, people that um, that that are struggling? And and so it, it's really it's really my everything. And even at WildSpark, like, and if you're if, if you end up being a client listening to this, we're not going to like push that that on you. But that's our mission. That is our vision as an organization. We want to glorify God by building multiplying movements of multiplying leaders in the for-purpose marketplace. And another way of saying, what is a multiplying leader? It's discipleship. And so what Jesus did with his 12 disciples is the reason that me and Sonny are here talking today about him because it multiplied. And so that's what we're trying to do through leadership because leaders develop other leaders. So all of this multiplication talk, that's really about looking looking at the life of Christ and seeing what he did with his disciples. Reminds me of two things. So one of which is Ed Milet. And Ed Milet, do you listen to him at all? I've heard his name, but but I, I haven't. I need to. Though. When you when we get done with this episode, make sure to go follow him. Not only is he okay. uh, an incredible businessman, wise leader, um, he is a man of faith. And and you see that and you hear that clearly in everything he says. But what he talks about is that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And he talks about, he has this thing that he says, and he says, when my whole mission in life is that the day that I leave here and that I go to my eternal home, I will work with everything in me to empty out my tank to make sure that when I stand in front of God and he holds up a mirror and says, in this mirror is the reflection of everything I created you for that I will see my own reflection and not someone that I don't even recognize. Mm. And I'm just like, wow. oh, holy cow. And that's really what that makes me think about is, yes, we're all sinners saved by grace, right? I mean, mm -hmm. thank goodness. Thank goodness. That's all I have to say, because to your point, we wouldn't be sitting here today, you know? And uh, we also don't have to be held captive by that thought because we are forgiven. Yeah. 
You're exactly right. And the freedom in which you can live your life when you know that you are forgiven and that you were created by God to um to go and make disciples of all nations. Like you're you find so much joy because you're not always trying to figure out what's my calling, what's my co-? just live for Jesus and and I think the rest will will figure itself out if you just go into life with an available heart. Absolutely. And then uh, Jake Thompson with Compete Every Day, phenomenal guy. He and I I did a podcast together, uh, episode together, and he shared that originally he was going to be a, he was going to make his company a faith-based company. And he had a buddy who took him out to coffee and he said, look, I'm not discouraging you from this, but I want you to think about something. If you make this a faith-based company, know that that's going to drive everything right. So that could turn some people off. That could do this. That could do that. And he said, what I ended up doing was making sure that I was the salt. So, mm. so I'm the one who's able to have conversations about it. And I just thought, I said, you, you really surround yourself with wise counsel to think about that, right? Because then you can always have that conversation and be the salt to others. And I just thought that was a really interesting way of going about his business. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's wise. And, you know, at Wild Spark, it's like, you're not going to see on our website, like scripture everywhere or anything like that, because like we, um, you know, we never want to push that on, on anybody. Um, we know that it is, we, we believe that it's, it's God that, that opens the eyes of our heart. Um, and so we, we want to be bold, um, but we want to trust God for when the opportunity is to share what we're really passionate about, which is, which is a layer deeper than, than leadership. Um, but I think you, you, some of the best opportunities I've had to share my faith have not been because up front I've said, Hey, like X, Y, or Z, I've just built a relationship with someone, which, um, not that evangelizing is sales, but for all my sales folks out there, it's like, you don't just go straight for the message and say, Hey, do you want to buy my thing? Be interested in that person, learn about them, hear some of their story, and then you'll be amazed at some of the opportunities that come from there. So I know the story, but I would love for you to share how you got your start in Wildspark. Ooh, okay. <laughs> this is good. Uh, so I was interning at Wildspark my senior year of college, which just so happened to be um, in the middle of, of the global pandemic of COVID. So I started there for like a month and a half. Um, my sister works for our sister company, Fireseeds. They do executive um, to director level recruiting. So um, for all your recruiting needs, shout out to uh, Fireseeds. You can talk to my sister if you want to. Her name is Arden Long. Uh, but anyways, I she said, hey, you should come intern at WildSpark. They do all this leadership stuff. And I was like, sign me up. So um, I grew up in, in church actually with Corder, CEO. And so I kind of pulled that card and he took me to lunch. He said, sure, come into intern for me. Well, then two months in COVID hits. And so I'm sort of remote, but I'm about to graduate college and I'm trying to get married. And so I've gotten engaged and I put all my eggs in one basket for Wildspark. I actually didn't apply really anywhere else. And I was like, I've got to work here. And so Josh Etris, he was a guest on one of my podcasts and I highly recommend for Evoke Greatness as well. Um, he was our VP of sales and client success at the time. And because Wildspark, especially two years ago, was a little bit more in the startup phase with only a few employees um, and not knowing what was happening during COVID, they couldn't afford to bring somebody on full time or they could afford it, but they just didn't know at the time. So we said, Hampton, how about we make you an extended, expanded intern? 
And, and that's when I ask him, well, uh, what's an extended expanded intern? And now knowing him and being friends with him, he's making this up basically on the fly. But he goes, well, we'll give you a jersey and a locker and a pair of cleats. We'll call your name when the game starts. But you'll get paid 10 bucks an hour if that's OK. And I was like, ah, sign me up. I'm ready. So for 90 days, I did that. And then um, a few weeks before I got married, my wife and I were very happy for when I got the full time offer uh, to to formally be a part of the Wild Spark team. <laughs> and I've been there ever since. That is that's great. Uh, and that's actually well, kind of leads into my next question as well is you're in sales from a professional perspective, right? But I think really you strike me as someone who is anything but sales at the end of the day. And so I'm curious, what is your sales philosophy for those salespeople who are like, I can't close a deal. I, you know, keep striking out. Um, what are, what's, what's your philosophy and what's some advice, some tactical steps for them to be more Hampton-esque? Sonny, um, you need to plug your ears for this answer because I'm going to use you for an example here. Um, so Sonny is probably the first use case of something like this. And I've been able to do this at, at a large level since then, but I came across Sonny on LinkedIn uh, and started following her. And I learned a lot about her and was just fascinated what about what she thought about leadership and, and culture and empowering other people. I saw her post about her family. She had a podcast. And so I just, this might sound weird, but I like studied Sunny for like a month. I said, I'm going to click the bell on her LinkedIn profile. I'm going to follow her. And I learned all this about her. And so step number one, if you have a dream prospect, and I hate the word prospect, but someone you're trying to reach out to, I dare you to follow them for a month without even sending them a connection request or a message, just learn about them. And then from there, for example, Sunny made it easy. A lot of executives sometimes aren't active on LinkedIn, which by the way, you should be Sonny can talk to you about that, but, um, but no, if you should be, you'll have people probably tactically reaching out to you like I am. But anyways, <laughs> so I listened to her podcast, listened to a few episodes. I left a review on her podcast and all I did was I sent her a message on LinkedIn, a voice memo and said, Hey, your podcast is amazing. It inspired me because of X, Y, and Z. I left you a, a review, thankful to be connected to you and excited to learn. That's all. And then like two weeks later, um, I think I maybe sent like another follow-up message just like saying, hey, your most recent podcast was good. And meanwhile, I'm commenting on her post every day. And then finally, I said, hey, look, you have said this, this, and this about why you care about leadership and WildSpark solves. We have a consistent intentional engaging strategy to develop your people as leaders. And I really think this, this might be worth learning about. And so from then, Sonny said, you know what? Sure. So then we met from there, but then it didn't stop. And Sonny, I hope this isn't ruining, like, not that I'm fully trying to I hope you don't feel like, oh, wow, Hampton is just selling me the whole time. But now I'm telling <laughs> yeah. the story. But along the way, it's like I Sonny got a dog and she posted about her dog and I got her a personalized dog collar. And it's like, if you're not genuine along the way with any of these, it will not work. So that you have to be genuine. People get $1,000 gifts all the time from sales reps, but it's not relevant. So you got to make sure it's relevant. But all that to say, and of course, this was when she was at Bristol Hospice. I know she's not there anymore. Anyways, all that to say, like that got us to here today. Then I got her to be on my podcast. Now I'm here. And so I know a lot of you, volume is the game. And granted, Sonny uh, was was a, a high level executive at a large company. And so like, it's going to take more time with that, but just be relational over transactional. You don't have to do exactly those steps, but when you are truly relational and you care about the person, you study them and what you reach out with is relevant, not, hey, I saw you went to 
Arizona State University, uh, do you want to do you want to have a meeting? Like, just be relevant and be relational, and be patient. Excellent. So, for any salespeople, go back and rewind this about two and a half minutes, and <laughs> replay this every day when you get up in the morning, over and over and over. Because I tell you what, I pro- no, probably no less than five sales pitches a day. Connect, then Bing you know, trying to sell you in your inbox. And there's nothing like at this point in, in the world, like there's nothing more laughable than when someone does that. It's almost just like, seriously, has no one taught you anything? Have you not opened your eyes or like opened a book or Googled a, you know, how to sell something on YouTube? Because it's all about that personalizing things. To your point, you mentioned a couple of things that, that I was thinking about when I thought about these questions and that's the voice memo. That, that is something that not everybody does. And when you get these things pop up, it's very different. It makes you very curious when you get this and you're like, oh, well, hey, I want to listen to this. There are so many tools, though, that can personalize the process or, you know, just a little bit of time and effort. But you do it really, really well. And there are literally two people that stand out to me in sales. In, and I've been in healthcare for 20 years. Two people that stand out in sales. You're one of them. And we met probably, what, maybe six months ago? And the other one is a lady named Malia Crusor. And same thing. She built a relationship with me prior to just trying to go in for a sale. And it's like, God, I wish that more people would pay attention to really successful people who take the, the steps that you do. And, and I don't think of it like selling me. I think of it like this is your job, right? And so you're really good at your job. Thank you. That that means a lot. And um for those of you listening to this uh, that I have connected with and immediately sent a message to because I was like two months into my sales job and didn't know what I was doing, I am sorry. And delete that message and let me start over and try again, please. <laughs> That's awesome. You're super active on LinkedIn, obviously regularly posting, regularly engaging. We talked about kind of how you personalize some of these things. What's been the biggest surprise to you since becoming so engaged? Mm. Less than 1% of people who have LinkedIn accounts are active on there. And so there's a great opportunity to grow and develop um, in, in audience and, and meet people through LinkedIn. I think the further and further in time we go, um, having some sort of personal brand, I don't really love the term, but having that is going to be valuable. I have gone through a time over the last few years where I've thought all social media is evil uh, because I just think there's a lot of toxic things that can come from it, LinkedIn included. However, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon with LinkedIn. I mean, one, it is an opportunity for me to practice consistency, which if you're trying to learn how to do something or have any success in life, consistency is probably the answer. So you probably won't uh, do super well on LinkedIn as far as building a following or whatever, if you're not consistent. So that's one I get to practice that too. I get to practice putting myself out there. Um, approval has been an idol of mine in my life. And there are pe- some people that maybe like what I do and some people in college and high school friends that are probably confused. They're like, what are you doing? So I am canceling the idolization of approval in my life, which is a huge opportunity there. Three, it's helped me learn what do I really care about? Because if I'm posting something every day, I have all these thoughts in my mind. And so it's helping me form you know, what I really do care about. And now that I'm starting to learn that, you get in this rhythm about the message that you want to share. Um, and so I think I've been able to open some people's eyes to say like, 
hey, leadership development is really, really important. And I'm not telling you that because I have 20 years of leadership experience. I'm telling you that because I am the college grad that's getting developed at a really high level. And I have no intention of going to any other company anytime soon because I'm so bought into what they're doing with me. Why don't you try it? And if you want to try it, buy WildSpark from me. Because um, <laughs> uh, I say that because we do WildSpark internally. And so it's just been a huge impact um, on me. And then and then finally, um, I am on this conversation because of LinkedIn. You, there are so many people to meet from there. It is a global network. In my whole life, people talk about, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I have a list on LinkedIn that just says, good connections that has about 25 people on it, Sonny being at the top. Uh, <laughs> but just of, if something goes south, I'm calling this person. And I did not have that before. And it just expands outside of your city. And in the age, the digital age that we live in, I mean, if you had to, you could likely work remote from wherever. And so the opportunities are endless. Of course, it could be toxic. It can feel like a chore. You can get addicted to it. Advice I've gotten is never be better at LinkedIn than you are at your job, which was convicting to me. So there, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Um, but I mean, I could talk about this for a long time. It's, <laughs> I've learned a ton about it. Yeah. Well, but, but you're wise and you're paying attention to the value that it has. And I think what's fascinating for me is following businesses or influencers of whatever sort, like in, you know, in the coaching industry or, or self-improvement industry is people are really big on TikTok, on Instagram. And what's funny is even with the success that some of them have had, they're not on LinkedIn. And I'm like, holy cow, here is like this gaping opportunity that you haven't even recognized yet at this point. And so, and I'm not overly active on other social media, but you know, because LinkedIn has kind of become my jam as well. And so not posting like a fifth grade girl, but you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's funny. Yeah, it's cool because LinkedIn, the magic is that five, six years ago, I'm in a class, uh, World of Business, uh, one of my business classes. And day one, the teacher says, okay, um, there's this thing called LinkedIn and you're going to want to download it and we're going to help you build your resume and you're going to put your resume on there. And uh, every time you meet someone at a networking event, send them a personalized note and thank them for meeting you. And maybe one day you'll get a job through LinkedIn. And I was like, that's boring. So I forgot my <laughs> password for like three years and, and no knock against um, my school and, and advised me to do that. I'm glad they had me made the account right. it's better than some, but like, what's cool is everyone has a LinkedIn. Like, I mean, most people have one and it's, that's, what's different about other social medias. Like a lot of people may not have like TikTok or whatever, but like everyone has LinkedIn, right. but nobody's really active on it except for saying we're hiring or I'm excited to announce that, which there's no shame for any of that, but sure. there's just a, a sea of opportunity there. That's right. And I think, you know, one day in a few years in that class where I learned, Hey, get a LinkedIn and put your, your resume on it. The teacher's going to be saying, Hey, get on LinkedIn and start, you know, sharing what you're learning in class and what you're passionate about. And granted by that point in five years from now, it's going to be overwhelmed like Instagram and it's going to be too late to right. <laughs> build some sort of following or anything there. So start now. Start now. Absolutely. Well, another, another LinkedIn thing that you do is you do Friday fail posts, which I love, but you have really, you've brought this sense of like normalization or humanness to failure. And so 
where, where did that come from? Like what gave you the thought of I'm going to post, there's one in particular that stands out to me and that was you in a gym. And I was like, my freaking day is made like, this is, this is awesome. First of all, I can't believe you posted it in the most, in the most positive way, because like, do you know how many times that's happened to somebody else? And they were like, Oh my God, I just hope, I hope someone didn't see this. And of course everybody saw it, but you bring like, you, you put humor into it and you normalize it, which I think is really freeing for some people who are caught up in being terrified of failing. Mm. It's been fun. I don't know where fail Friday, like that just popped into my head one day and I said, Hey, I'm going to do this. Um, it's probably because I have a lot more failures in my life to count from than success. And sometimes they're a little bit more serious failures I'm sharing. And sometimes it's a little more like lighthearted, but I think just as a, as a person, as a leader, as a friend, people connect over brokenness. And so when you share like, Hey, I don't have it all together. I'm just figuring it out. I'm winging it. People resonate with that. They don't want to hear about all the successes that you have in your life. Um, And so I think it's just been a cool opportunity to share about some of those failures. I will caveat that with something that my mentor, um, Matt Letourneau, CEO of Never Thirst, they're a nonprofit in Birmingham, shout out to them, amazing company. But he, he, he said something that was a little bit convicting the other day. It's really popular now. It's getting popular to talk about failure and saying, I failed, but then look what I did. And I think it's so great to learn about our failures but sometimes I, I want to to hold myself accountable by saying this in public that I never want the failures that I share to be like a hey I failed but like look what I did like look what I figured out I just want to say hey I I actually messed up and maybe I learned something from it but like I am a human and I messed up and sometimes that's it um, <laughs> there doesn't have to be like this huge oh yeah and I'm way better now because of it I think that's a great message to share but. I think sometimes the focus is like, look how good I am for figuring out this failure. And sometimes I think it's just, it's a good message to say that, yeah, I failed and I'm going to try to get better. Right. No, totally agree. hundred percent. Cause it's not about elevating yourself as a result of it. It's really about sharing the humanness of it. And I think in yours and the way that you put things really comes across that way. And so, um, so, you know, like I said, the, the very, I think the very first one I saw was the one in the gym and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is this hysterical. But you know, um, I think it's valuable lessons, and I think others, to your point earlier, really resonate with it. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Check out Fail Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope to do? So you're at Wild Spark today. You're doing sales. What does you know the all grown up Hampton want to do from a career, but it, and also an impact perspective? So right now, Wild Spark really is growing, and so it is so much fun to be a part of it. Some of the advice I got when I graduated was, where are you going to grow the most? Go there. And Wild Spark is 100% that because I'm learning about sales, how to do it right, like we talked about earlier. I'm learning about leadership development because that's what we do. And so we're doing it internally and I'm being poured into, I'm learning how to build a business because I've watched this grow from like eight to 20 over a quick period of time. And now we're having to practice what we preach because our CEO isn't leading everyone. You know, we've got different layers now. And so I'm just learning and learning and learning and learning. And so, I don't, I don't look horribly, you know, into the future right now. Some big things with Wild Spark, and don't hold me to accountable to this because I'm not the one that makes the calls. But um, something we've been talking about recently is more, is something called like Wild Spark One, where we provide something more for the individual because um, a lot of organizations, unfortunately, aren't providing leadership development opportunities to their people, and so we want to give something to. 
um, other leaders that say, hey, I want to learn, I want to grow. So I, I would say like the impact that I want to have is I, I want organizations and leaders of organizations, I want their first question when I tell them about what WildSpark does is not to be, well, what's the ROI? Um, <laughs> I want them to just say, yeah, we're in the business of people and we do it through chicken sandwiches, like Chick-fil-A. Like Chick-fil-A is our largest client and they just get it. I The sales process is, I'm going on a tangent, but I have to do this. I love it. The, the sales process at Chick-fil-A is a quarter of the time it is with anyone else. Here's why. I don't have to start with convincing them that investing in their people is important. They say our business is investing in people and and as we invest in them, the chicken sandwiches take care of themselves. We invest in people first and maybe Wild Sparks the way that we do that. And so we're grateful that hundreds of Chick-fil-A's do that. But on all my other calls, it's, well, we care about our um, our clients, our shareholders, our community, and, and, and our people too. We have that on our website and our wall. But it's Simon Sinek says, care about your people first, and then everything falls into place. April's friends, generosity culture, people, important to your people, your clients, and your community. If you in that order, so start with your people. So <laughs> number one impact right now is get that message out more, invest in your people. Long-term impact um, is getting the message out to people like to younger folks my age of saying, hey, don't wait on your organization to do this though. Like there's a lot of opportunities for you to do it yourself. And ideally there's both opportunities. Oh, I love it. I love it. Makes me think about um, a group that I joined called Talent Champions Council. Well, it was formerly Talent Ch- Champions Council. Now it's the Outlier Project. And so we're all mm-hmm. trying to get used to the name change. But Scott McGregor uh, started this and it was really about people over everything. And like just that basic philosophy resonated with me as soon as I saw it. Then it's, you know, it's people like Dana Cavalia. It's people like April Sprints who are part of this that even drew me more to it. But that's really that foundation is how do you put your people over everything? It's not like from an HR perspective, like, okay, you know, our benefits. No, like, how do you take your people and really put those over everything, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't build a business. You you hire incredible people and, and they build your business. And so if you start with the people principle, no matter what you do, you know, that'll, it'll pad your bottom line. It'll your performance will peak, like all of those things you can take really good care of your people. So if you haven't checked that You're out, exactly right. haven't been, a, haven't gotten to be a member of that, um, they do some really, really cool things. And so I think that that would add some value, additional value to all the things that are being poured into you. Yeah, absolutely. April was telling me that I need to join that the other oh, day. Good. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Awesome. Perfect. And I'm curious, how is greatness defined by you? Ooh. Greatness, success, impact. You know, I, I think that that's an answer that we hear a lot, but it's who is impacted around me. And going back to my story is greatness. I achieved all of these things, or is it like at the end of my life, I want to say God opened up X, Y, Z doors for me. And I went through them by having an available heart and mind. I did what he called me to do. And I believe that no matter what it is, that's going to be focusing on other people and trying to impact other people. Um, so <laughs> greatness, it's, it's, it's tough because like, sure, I want to be great. Like I want to do something that people say, oh, that's greatness. But at the end of the day, I always want to be able to point that back to 
my father in heaven who, who loves me because like on my own, I just, I just, I only have so much to offer. And like, I ask my wife and my friends, the people I work with, like when I'm not aligned with, with the Lord and his calling on my life, I can be selfish really quickly. And there's a lot of people in the world that accomplish what look like great things. But at the end of the day, people find out if they were others focused or not. My mentor told me this recently. He goes, people will know if you were caring about impacting other people, and it actually sometimes might be after you're gone, but they will know at some point. And I hope that when people look at me, they say, yeah, he was doing it for other people, whatever it is. Oh, I love that. That is powerful. So as we wrap up, I just want to, I want to acknowledge you, you know, for being somebody who is, and I'm sure you get this a lot, your age, you're young, you're 24 years old. Um, but for somebody your age and just really you showing up every single day, not just on LinkedIn, but when we've, you know, touched base or gotten on a call offline, you are congruent with who you are and showing up and you're just, you're a dynamic human. You're doing really, really good work in all that you do, whether it's the engaging piece, whether it's the leadership piece without a title or with a title, doesn't matter, right? It's the leading piece that you're doing. And I just, you know, I think you're going to do some really, really big things in this world. And so watch out world. You better hang on to your socks because Hampton Dorch is coming. <laughs> so <laughs> Thank I, I you so much, yeah, I appreciate you as a, a, in what you do. And I appreciate uh, the relationship that we have, but I also appreciate you as a human. Mm, that means a ton, especially coming from you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm already doing big things because I'm on the Evoke Great <laughs> podcast with Sonny Linebarger. So <laughs> thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, absolutely. So make sure if you haven't connected with Hampton on LinkedIn, make sure to, to uh, follow him and hit the little bell so you get notified when he posts. And then I have been binge listening to Hampton's podcast, which I had the honor of being on recently. It's called the Wake Up and Lead podcast. Uh, make sure to check it out. He does a really, really great job. Again, you wouldn't guess that this guy is the age that he is. Uh, just with all the like the wisdom and, and kind of old soul lens that you portray the world in. And so thank you for being on. I appreciate you. And I hope you guys all have thoroughly enjoyed this as much as I have. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll stick around. If you liked this episode, please take a minute to rate and review the podcast or share it with someone you know who may need to hear this message. If you have comments or ideas about a future episode, you can leave me a voicemail directly. If you go to my website, evokegreatness.com and go to the contact me tab, you'll just hit the orange button and leave your voicemail. I love the feedback and comments that I've been getting, so keep them coming. I'll leave you with the wise words of Dwayne Johnson. Success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. <laughs>